0: So I wanted this to be a special drop from the Quest Logic podcast. So what's about to happen over the next couple of weeks? I'm gonna be doing my series on uh, racism in medicine and how it affects black people. There's there's a there's a book that you guys can go in and you can pick it up now to kind of get yourself um, you kind of get yourself prepared For what I'm going to be talking about It's coming up this this Wednesday on regular drop day But there's a book called Medical Apartheid About history of medical experimentation On black Americans From colonial times to the present Alright, came out in 2007 And I think it might be Even more poignant and relevant Now with everything that's going on From uh, the COVID Situation everything else But like I said, that, comes, that starts on Wednesday that starts on Wednesday, so I want you guys to be ready for that. But there's there's been something that's been on my heart, and it's and it's actually <laughs> kind of strange that I'm doing this on a I'm recording this on a Sunday, recording it today, dropping it today. Okay. But it, it's been a topic that's been on my heart for a while. And uh, fuck it. Let me just hop right into it. Let me just let me just jump right off into it. Black people. ADOS, FBA, Afro-American. Whatever term you consider yourself. We have to stop living in lies. Because the enemy is using these lies to keep us oppressed, to keep us subjugated, and to keep us from fulfilling and reaching the potential that we have. Not just in this nation, but around the world. So, before you think I'm going off on some, you know, goofy-wearing tangent, I'm going to tell you where this came from. I was listening, I was listening to another podcast, I don't even want to shout people out because I really don't rock with them, but I was just listening, and they kept echoing the same sentiment, the same statement, that black people have the most buying power in the country, we're we're we the most influential buying power in the country. And it just got me to thinking about how many of those lies and those stories that, We tell ourselves and the damage that it does to us. First of all, Black people, we do not have the most buying influence in this country. We don't. We buy the most. We do do that. We do spend more than any other racial block in this country. But on average, the average Black family's net wealth... Is somewhere around four thousand dollars. Meanwhile, the average white person, the white average white family's wealth, somewhere around a hundred thousand, somewhere between fifty to a hundred thousand dollars, depending on the state, the city, the locale. All right. But before I get into that specific lie, let's let's talk about the lies, what they do. But let's. More importantly, talk about where they come from. And with any topic, with any topic, if you're dealing with ADOS, American descendants of slaves, if you're dealing with foundational black Americans, native black Americans, just African Americans, black people, mm-hmm. melanated peoples, whatever term you, you go by, the conversation has to start with slavery. It has to start with American chattel slavery. All right. And most of us think that we have a, a grip or an idea of what slavery was. And every time we talk about slavery and its later impacts, and every time we go from slavery to sharecropping, to Jim Crow, to the civil rights struggle and forward, it's the same narrative. Slavery, you know, families were sold off, mothers and children were separated. You talk about field niggers and house niggas, we talk about the rape of black women at the hands of the white slave masters, we talk about all of those things, those are generally the topics that come up when we talk about slavery, but what we don't talk about is the impact that it's had on us as a community, as a people, so before I, I do that I, I don't know how many people listen to me who are actual therapists and actual um, psychologists or psych majors, sp- you know, my minor in school was psychology. My original plan was to do business marketing with a minor in psychology because I figured if you understand the way the human brain works, then it would be easier to sell and market uh, products to the people. That was my thought in college. So, I had to get real deep in my psychology classes. And, you know, had I technically graduated, I got enough credits, sort of. I, I, I only need 15 credits to actually graduate. I, I might do that one day. But anyway, but there was, there was a condition, there, there was a condition, um, that I came across there was a condition that i came across and most of the time it's attributed to most of the time it's attributed to um, people who are victims of like trauma like a lot of children get into it all right and it's not completely dissociative identity disorder that's when you have split personality but there's like a fan, there's like a fantasy Dissociative Disorder the, the, the condition has The name has changed multiple times Even from when I was back in school That was like in 2002, 2003 But to explain the condition And, and what I'm talking about When I'm talking about fantasy Dissociative Disorder Or whatever it's called now, If you're a psych major or a therapist you, you can send me a message Shoot me a tweet Shoot me a DM, an email And let me know the exact name Of what I'm talking about Because I've seen it listed To several different things But what happens a lot of times with children who are the victims of abuse, especially sexual abuse, they create an entire other world, an entire other fantasy place to protect them from the horrors that they're experiencing. It's the only way that some of them make it through and survive. And it does real damage to you. The trauma that they're experiencing, be it From sexual molestation Physical abuse Verbal abuse But it's not just in children You see it sometimes In um, battered spouses syndrome They've created this place Where they can go And it's almost like a different reality And that's the only way that they can cope Because this thing that they're experiencing Is so Horrific This Their real reality is so horrific that they the human mind couldn't stand up enough to deal with it. So they create this other plane, this other place where while the trauma is going on, they basically transport their mind and their conscious to this place and it's how they make it through. Now, you might be saying, well, Quest, what does that have to do with a lot of Black people tell ourselves, what, like, what does this have to do? As a community of people, as a race of people, we're living through that same situation. The horrors of slavery, the horrors of even Jim Crow, the horrors of Reconstruction, the horrors of the Civil Rights era, they were so traumatic to us to our ancestors, that our ancestors created almost other reality, and that's the only way that we made it through. It's the only way that we made it through. The problem is you can't really grow and reach your full potential when you still have that reality taking up space in your mind and your soul. You have to address that trauma. You have to deal with it And hopefully purge it from yourself so that that space that it created inside you, so that that space that it created inside your mind, so that that space that it created inside your soul can now be filled with something positive. And for black people, we have created this ball of lies. Again, I'm not. I'm not attacking us in any kind of way because I understand why it was created. I understand why it was necessary to do. But now, in the year 2021, we have to start looking at the drum. We have to start looking at that tumor that has been in us for so long. We have to excise that tumor and we have to begin the regrowth process. And among some of those lies and deceptions that we have told ourselves are things like voter die uh, you have to vote this is the it's it's not just voting it's like I mentioned um, about this narrative that we have the most buying power in this country no we don't no we don't and I'm not trying to go after some of these narratives and I'm not trying to go after some of these Statements in an effort to degrade to defame To shame us at all My intention is for us to be able to grow So let's talk about let's talk about the one that I first brought up and we'll get into some more as this conversation Goes on But let's talk about this one that I first brought up and it's the conversation or it's the statement that black people have the most buying power in of any group in the United States. And that if we just take our money out, even for a day, that the entire system will come crumbling down. No, it's not. And You can't even think that from an actual mathematical point, from an actual analytical point, you can't believe that black people make up currently 14 percent of the population and that number is rapidly shrinking due to immigration um just other ethnic groups coming into this country driving down on percentages of the population due to and, and i'm not going to make this about abortion i'm not going to make this about rape. i'm not going to make it about any of those things i'm not going to make it about that But I will have to say it does does play a part. It does. We are 14% of the population. There is no way in the world that a people that are 14% of the population that have a median family income that is 10 times less than the majority race white people. There's no way in the world you could think That group of people has that it has the highest buying power, it just doesn't. All right, so let's go through some numbers. Let's go through some numbers. When you start breaking it down by race, the average median household income. in 2018, in 2018 it was eighty-seven thousand dollars Asian, seventy thousand dollars white, not Hispanic, fifty-one thousand dollars Hispanic, and around forty thousand dollars African American. Forty thousand, dead lowest, dead lowest of any group considered in this. When you look at numbers like that, you can't begin to think that your buying power trumps everybody else. You just can't. All right. But let's get into some more numbers. Let's get into some more numbers. And I'll, and it's very interesting that some of these numbers I'm getting ready to pull out. Some of these numbers I'm getting ready to pull out. are specifically done looking at Miami. All right? Specifically. Let me read this. The median wealth for white households in Miami is $107,000. That's the median wealth for white families. All right? The median family wealth Wealth is, and for those who, wealth is different than your take-home pay. Wealth is different than, you know, your salary. Wealth is the combination. It's a, it's a kind of complicated, but at the same time, kind of simple equation. Wealth adds in how much money you have in the bank, how much money you have in stocks, bonds, um, equity and your, you know, how much property you have. How much equitable, how much equity you have in life. Just as a better way to say it. All right. So again, for white households, it was $107,000. Black Americans living in Miami have, and I got to stop and laugh because that's the only way I can not cry reading this number. It's $1,200, $1,200. Now I'm, I'm giving you numbers. From the Samuel Dubois Cook Center on Social Equity at Duke University. They just did this study this year. Again, medium wealth for white households, $107,000. For black black households, excuse me, is $1,200. Liquid assets. The liquid assets for black Americans in Miami, the average is $11 dollars. For South Amer- those of South American origin, is $2,000. Cubans is $3,200. And for white households, the median value of liquid assets is $10,750. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say this again. The median value of liquid assets. That means how much you can get if you take your assets and liquidate them right then on the spot. Maybe like a diamond ring or some car, something like that. For white households, is $10,000. For black households in Miami, it's $11. We don't even get into triple digits. Now, do the math. Even if every single black person in America was able to liquidate all of their wealth, and put it in a pot It still isn't going to touch What even five percent of white households are able to do Well quest why is that important What does that matter it matters because of the way we fight Please bear with me this is quest logic to a t and it's going to be a little confusing but if you can follow me then maybe you'll understand why I think how I think. You don't have to agree with me. Maybe you'll understand how I put things together. Now, let's use something that happened recently. Let's use the Colin Kaepernick situation. And I long held that The reason Colin Kaepernick didn't have a job wasn't because of racist white owners. It wasn't because of racism. It was because of classism. It was classism. It was wealth. If black people bought the majority of the seats at nfl games in the stadium, If we bought the majority of the tickets or if we bought tickets on a level equal to white america colin Kaepernick would probably still have had a job if black businesses black owned businesses spend as much money in advertising as white businesses of the same nature now again i'm not comparing you know, a black-owned business like a black funeral home to Coca-Cola. No, no, no. But I will compare a black-owned funeral home or a black-owned car lot to a white-owned car lot or a white funeral home chain. If we look at them on equal platforms, you can't tell me the black business that you saw with signs as an advertising and media partner of any NFL team. I can't tell you how many times I've been to games in Atlanta. I, I haven't been to a Falcons game at the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium, but I went to plenty of them when it was when they were playing in the Georgia Dome. Now, I don't know every black-owned business that's out there, but the Bronner Brothers, that's a huge entity in Atlanta. I never saw a Bronner Brothers ad inside of the Georgia Dome. I never saw that. I never saw, again, I'm not from Atlanta, so I don't know what, like, the big funeral home, like, in in Portsmouth, all black people, for the longest time, went to two funeral homes. Either Fisher Fisher Funeral Home or Corporate Funeral Home. And it's normally like that in most cities and most areas. Black people have a mortuary service that they use. They make good money. But I didn't see any of those advertised. I didn't see any ads for any black owned banks in the Georgia though, I didn't see any. That's what I'm talking about when I'm like, yo, we have to stop this lie. Because if we're being honest with ourselves about our buying power or better yet, the lack of our spending power, and if we really sit back and we really take a look at it, like a Dr. Sandy Darity is trying to do, like Yvette Carnell, gets on her YouTube channel and speaks about all the time. And there are others. You know, Boyce Watkins is one. I don't agree with everything Boyce Watkins says, but a lot of what he says is, bro, is dead on. But if we actually start having an honest conversation about the power of the black dollar, we'll understand why we keep getting pushed to the back of the line, why we, our voices don't really matter in these discussions and in these things we will start to understand it but as long as we hold on to the lie that we are just as financially powerful as white people or these other races then we're going to consistently find ourselves in situations like Colin Kaepernick being out of the league or we're going to consistently see these brands that make these folk, racially insensitive faux pas It's because our our dollars don't matter. For as much Gucci and Prada and Louis and Burberry and all of these other luxury brands that we want to go and buy, that we we hold up as symbols and testaments um, and as status symbols, our dollar really doesn't account for much with them. So taking it away really doesn't matter. It just doesn't. That's why you can see Gucci come out with a blackface sweater that's why Burberry can come out with a, a jacket with a noose as the strap that's why adidas can come out with a sneaker with a slave shackle up there yeah some of y'all might not remember adidas put out a, a sneaker with a slave shackle up there was, the, the idea was to keep your shoes chained to your feet or some bullshit like that they said but that's because on its own on its face, the black dollar doesn't hit like everybody else's because we really don't have it. I remember watching a pro Killer Mike had a show. Was it on Hulu? Was it on Amazon? Killer Mike had a show, and on this this particular on this particular episode, he said he wanted to only he was going for like seven days. I want to say of keeping the black dollar in the black community. He couldn't do it. And when I'm saying keeping the black up, he was going on the road and so he was, he was supposed to only stay in a black-owned hotel. He was only supposed to eat food that was grown and sourced from black-owned farms, from a black-owned restaurant. You, you see where I'm going with this. He couldn't do it. The black dollar averages one transaction before it leaves the black community one transaction, that is the lowest rate of any racial group, the lowest rate of any racial group. If you want to talk Miami, the Cuban dollar circulates in their community in places like Little Havana and other Cuban enclaves. It circles there 15 times before it leaves the Cuban community. So when I say circulate, what that means is you go into a store, you buy a product made by workers who work of your particular race. The store is owned by a person of your particular race. And you see how it goes around and around and around like that. Every other race can do that. You can find a hotel And if we're really looking at like South Florida, you can find a hotel owned by someone of Hispanic descent with Hispanic workers in it. You can eat your food at a Hispanic restaurant. Most likely the food might've come from a local farm, farmer in in the Florida area. It's highly likely it came from, uh, you know, the farm itself is owned by someone of Hispanic or Latin descent. And you can see how that circulates around. Black in the black neighborhood, we don't have that. When they analyzed the Jewish community, they were able to get loans from Jewish capital investments, circle that through. They were able to hire, you know, things like uh, Jewish architects to design their house. Like, if they want to design a house, they could get a Jewish architect, a Jewish contractor, they could get the loan. They didn't even have to go to a regular bank, they could get it funded from private Jewish lenders. And that's the circulation of your dollar. Until we are honest about the lack of ability in our community to keep our money there, we're going to keep running into these situations where we are disrespected on a financial level and nobody takes us seriously. Yes, from time to time, you will see companies that have Outreach or sensitivity or inclusion, whatever the catch term is for that week, you'll occasionally find businesses that will reach out and say, hey, we're going to help the black dollar. But really, how much does it really, really help? Like right now, I, I see on like Uber Eats and Postmates and, you know, all of these different food delivery apps, they're all highlighting black owned restaurants. But let's be honest. Let's be honest. How many people, even black people, are going to skip over the, the restaurant that they know serves whatever the dishes that they want to specifically go, oh, well, I'm, no, I'm not going to spend my money with the restaurant I normally go to. Let me go and rock with these black owned restaurants. It's a nice gesture and it sounds good and it lets these companies off the hook of not really putting money back into our community even though we do spend the most. It let's them off the hook because it looks like they give a fuck. But in all actuality, they, they don't. They're not. And that's not stimulating any financial growth in our community. So, again, as long as we keep touting this, this narrative that the black dollar has the most buying power in the nation. Again, we're 14% of the population. That's mathematically impossible. We're 14% of the population. And we are at the bottom in black wealth, black earned income monthly, black income yearly. Until we stop back and say, hold on, we got to play, not just catch up, but we got to demand for these same opportunities at the table. It's all for naught. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything at all. But I understand where the false narrative comes from. Let me clear it up for you again. We don't have the largest buying power but we buy the most. On average, the black dollar stays within the black person's hands the least amount of time of any other racial group. The least. I'll give you a perfect scenario on. Let's 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 use Kaepernick again. I'll give you the perfect scenario on what would have been able to help Colin Kaepernick get on a team. Because see, here's the thing. He fucked with the money. It wasn't racism completely. No, it's to say completely. There were definitely racial components, but it wasn't racism completely. It was classes. Because you see, The people that the NFL owners were concerned about, they were concerned about their advertising partners and their media partners. I can't say some names because I don't want to get some people in trouble, but there were businesses that spend money with NFL teams as, as advertising partners or official sponsors of that particular team that let their teams know that, hey, if you have players kneeling like Kaepernick and even when Kaepernick was released if you sign Colin Kaepernick we're not spending any money with you and we're going to stop spending our advertising dollars with you we're going to stop being a sponsor with you because our customers don't agree with what Kaepernick is up to or what Kaepernick is claiming he's standing for there was no black business on the other side there to say hey no okay cool You're taking your 1 million away from this team. If they sign Colin Kaepernick, we're going to put $2 million in sponsorship with the team. If you sign him, see those are the type of honest conversations that we've got to start having. We've got to start those. We have to start looking at these businesses that have consistently taken and taken and taken from the black community and like, okay, okay, what are you putting back in? Listen, this country already experienced it through the Dust Bowl. I make a lot of comparisons for some things that you might not think align very well. But if you listen long enough, they will. See, what happened in the Dust Bowl, what was that, 1930s? The f- people in the farm community, they over the land. So what happened, the crops they were growing in the same fields over every year, every year, every year, every year, it has stripped the soil of its natural elements. See the Indians, the Native Americans, I don't want to be rude, the Native Americans figured out, the Native Americans, when they would grow, they used to rotate their crops. One year this field might grow corn. The next year this field might grow potatoes. The next year it might, you see but these other farmers, these new farmers, they weren't doing that. They weren't doing that. They were just growing the same thing over and over again. So what it did, it caused a depletion of that top layer of soil and just basically made it like sand. So when the winds would come through and blow through, it would just pick up all of this top soil from this over farm land. And that's because the farmers hadn't planted properly. They hadn't looked down the line and thought, Five, 10 15 years down the line and alternate their crops it's the same thing in the black community we have so many companies that take 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 that strip our communities of the nutrients of the resources that we're not getting them put back in and that's why it's so easy for our community to be exposed to damage but part of that comes from these false narratives that we hold on to Just like the Dust Bowl blew across getting dust and dirt and everything. It was a national disaster. The black community's finances are the same thing. Now, and it's not completely our fault. Anybody who's ever had to deal with credit, if you bought a house, if you sell houses, if you bought a car, if you sell cars, anything everyone pretty much knows no credit is better than bad credit. No credit is better than bad credit. and see everybody else gets a chance to come over here when, when we start to talk about immigrants and like if you look around you'll see a lot of you'll see a lot of studies that say immigration hurts the black community the most. and I know that's offensive slightly to some people that may be immigrants, but let me explain to you why it hurts the black community the most. The black community is starting off with bad credit. We, we have bad credit. Not because of anything we did intentionally, but because of the racial and the racially systemic financial systems that were put in place because of the glass ceilings, because of Jim Crow, because of the blockage of reparations for a debt that is owed. Because of that, we started off with bad credit. See, we had to do things like get out here and share a crop. So. I'll let you go and research the sharecropping system on its own. But that's where we had to start off. So we were already in the hole. Other people have been able to come over here and take advantage of our fight for civil rights for our fight for equality. They get the ability to utilize programs like affirmative action and minority hiring, minority enrollment in colleges. They They... They weren't already behind. They didn't have to come over here and mom and dad or you know, grandpa might not have been able to go to college, so he had to get a regular job and he had to save, and then mom and dad couldn't go to University of Virginia. They couldn't go to, you know, a Harvard or they couldn't go to enroll in like a Wharton School of Business and then get that opportunity to build wealth on Wall Street. No, no, no. No, no. They couldn't get jobs like that. We had to go to college and take jobs that at least allowed us to have a living, but we had to go to college to get jobs, not careers. Let me say that like that. I'm going to say that again. Black people had to go to college to get jobs. We didn't go to college to get careers because we were already behind. Other groups have been able to come over here, and grateful that I'm glad that they're, they get the opportunity to live the American dream. I'm glad for them. But they started out with no credit. Whereas black people started out with bad credit. And being so far behind, we have again created these false narratives because it's painful to see. Because it's painful to see somebody else get fresh off the boat and within five years they're doing better than you. We have created narratives to assuage some of that shame that we feel. Let me me say this in this conversation. I know I'm kind of going around, but we shouldn't feel any shame because it's nothing that we did. We were restrained. We were held back. We were blocked from these advantages. But we had to recognize that we were We have to address the fact that we were, and we have to address the fact of what we are right now. And right now, we are dead last in every economic category that there is. The only thing that we lead this country in is in negative economic categories. We are first in unemployment. We are first in paycheck to paycheck. We are first in home foreclosures. We lead in every negative economic category. Now, again, as I open this thing, if our buying power was that immense, that wouldn't be the case. If our buying power was as strong as everyone wants to sit around, that wouldn't be the case. But until we have an honest conversation about where we are. And what it's gonna to take to move forward and until we adopt a sentiment like Malcolm X had when he said, by any means necessary. I'm gonna go. Do I still have this clip? I think I still have this clip. And in this clip is is Dr. Umar Johnson. Big shouts out to Dr. Umar Johnson. I really wanna have a sit-down conversation that's pick his brain one day. Okay, here it is. I'm gonna let Umar say this first and this is the type of thing that we have to be willing to do first we have to dead the lie but after we dead the lie we have to be willing to take this step take a listen we like them i don't need to like you to do business with you if i gotta strike a deal with donald trump for black empowerment i'll strike a deal with donald trump Because what I'm not looking for is a black president or a black governor or a black mayor. I'm looking for black power. Stop confusing the personality with the power. That's it. Once we get the lie out of the way, then we need to recognize what it's going to take to move forward from that lie and fill in that empty space that this false reality, this false fantasy that we built to protect us, we, we need to identify that. And we, as a people, we have to be willing to say, as Malcolm X said, by any means necessary. So that means if our best chance for, uh, to be made whole financially, if that comes from working with the Democrats, then so be it. If that comes from working with the Republicans, if we got to sit down with Mitch McConnell, Donald Trump is out of office, but I'm just saying, theoretically, if Donald Trump Jr. runs and we got to sit down with him, and he's our best opportunity. If our best opportunity is to sit down with Bernie Sanders, if our best opportunity is to sit down with an independent, a libertarian, if our best opportunity is to sit down with somebody from the Green Party, then that's what we have to be willing to do. We have to be. We have to be. But again, going back to how I started this thing off, we have so many lies in our community that we're holding on to, and those are the things that are holding us back. I could go down the list. This lie that the Democrats are our friends. We don't have any friends. Black black people, politically, we don't have any friends. We don't have any allies. The Republicans are not, and neither are the Democrats. Neither the libertarians, neither the Green Party. We don't have any allies, we don't have any friends. That's but we have to recognize that we have to move past that. We have to move past the lie that voting is enough. You have to vote, you have to vote. Your vote is so important. That's a half-truth. Because what's the important part is accountability, it's holding people accountable. After we vote for it. We have to get past this lie or this notion that we have in our community that if we just make enough noise and we can bring enough attention to a situation, we can get changed. No, we need power to make change. Something else I said in this in this bonus podcast, and this just And this just stream of consciousness that I'm letting off. Something else that I said is is super, super, super relevant. I, I, I spoke on, like I said, I spoke on moving past the lies. I spoke on being prepared to do whatever it takes as far as holding someone accountable. The other lie that we have to let go of is the belief it's not a lie it's a belief it's a belief we have crafted this belief in our community that everyone that looks like us has been through our struggle we just naturally oh he's black so he understands she's black so she understands no bullshit or they're black so they're fighting for the same thing that i'm fighting for no they're not You need to make sure that that person is. One of the things that Martin Luther King Jr. said, I don't think they just listened to enough. in, in In the I Have a Dream speech, he said, judge me not by the color of my skin, but by the content of my character. He wasn't just talking to white people about black people. Black people, he was also telling us not to just judge each other by being black. And that also means that we should look at the character of a person, who we're putting our votes behind, who we're spending our money with. Are we buying products that are, quote unquote, black owned? But in reality, the only black employee at the company is the owner, is the CEO, is the founder, when everybody else at the company is literally white. That's not benefiting us. We have to let go of the lie that if one black person wins, all black people win. Look, I get where that comes from. I get where that ideal comes from. It comes from slavery. It comes from Reconstruction. It comes from Jim Crow when we were living with limited opportunities. When Jackie Robinson broke through the color barrier, he was the only one that they let into baseball. So, yes, we all won when Jackie Robinson won. That's why if you look at a whole generation of black people, their favorite baseball team is the Dodgers. Because of Jackie Robinson. And I get that. I get that. Yes, when Jesse Owens was in the Olympics, it was only a limited number of us that could do that. So, yeah, we all won when Jesse Owens won. When the champ fought Matt Snelling, yeah. When Joe Lewis fought Matt Snelling, if you look at the pictures, you see pictures of everyone in Harlem crowded around a department store. It's a famous photo. And, and all these black people are crowded around the department store because they're listening on the radio, listening to the fight of Joe Lewis versus Max Schnelling. He was fighting for all black people at that time. But we're not living in that time anymore. We've moved forward. We've progressed past that. So we have to start looking at The motives and the intentions of this person that looks like me, are they doing the job that they said they were going to do on the campaign trail? Or are they doing the job that they said, come and spend your money with me and I'll give back to the community? Are they doing it? We have to start asking that question. And once we ask that question, we have to be prepared to let the fantasy go that everybody is marching for the same reason, and for the same goal. We have to, because if we don't, if we continue with the same thought process, and I don't want to call them enemies, I don't really want to create a whole nother situation, but those who are not like the other races, the people of other interests, other groups, other special interest groups, they're progressing, they understand that, okay, we've tackled this problem, now we need to go and tackle that problem, we're still trying to tackle The same problems in 2021 that we were trying to tackle in 1961, in 1951, 1941. We're still fighting the same exact battles. And that's because we keep living in these deceptive, fantastical, made-up realities while the rest of the world is moving forward. I don't know. Listen, everything, I've been radicalized. I have been radicalized by the teachings of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. A lot of people don't put MLK's name as a radical anymore. He's not looked at as a radical, but hell yeah, he was a radical. I've sat back and I've studied writings of, of various individuals and I've been radical. Like my entire goal and concern is the betterment of my people. And I don't care if I'm liked for it. I don't care if I'm hated for it. I don't care if, listen, me busting this bubble or me shining this light into the darkest recesses of our experiences. Black people is painful to some. It needs to be done. It needs to be done. And we need to start having these very uncomfortable conversations with ourselves and before we can set forth to hold any white person, Hispanic person, any other group, Democrat, Republican, anybody else, before we can hold their feet to the fire, we have to do it to ourselves. So like I said, this listen, there are a lot of lies and and misnomers out there. Let 2021 be the year at which we Fill in those spaces and we bury the lies and build upon it with truth. Listen, it's your man Quest. Don't forget this Wednesday, 11 a.m. Quest Logic Podcast will be dropping. We'll be taking a a really, really, really deep look into racism in the medical field. I'll be talking about some of my personal experiences dealing with racism. Um, We'll be looking, taking instances from online from other articles and other books so definitely go check out medical apartheid it's a great book i know you can get it on amazon as an ebook in case you don't want it to come in the mail but get ready uh, as always stay prayed up stay vigilant stay blessed and i'll be back at you as soon as i can i'm quest oh before i get out of here listen i'm still building my twitter back up they still got my twitter locked down they still got my they still got, I've had the, same, I had the same Twitter page for almost 11 years. They had to lock down simply because, no, we're not going to get into that. The new Twitter is Questimus Prime, Q-U-E-S-T-I-M-U-S-P-R-I-M-E. Or you can check me out on Instagram at Star Quest. I'm here. Thank you to everybody for listening. Bonus episode right here because I rock with y'all so much. I'm out. I'll talk to you again this Wednesday. God willing. Peace.